0: What's up, what's up? It's Raphael with NBA Draft Junkies. I have a special guest today. Uh, just kind of like an introduction. I've been following the Mavs Draft Twitter account for, for a little while now. I don't remember exactly when I first started following it. But great insight. And it's always cool to connect with people who have the same interest. You know, the NBA draft is such a niche subject. And you know, there's people who kind of like the draft, who follow it you know, a month before the draft or a week before. But then there's guys like Richard from the Mavs draft who all year long is tweeting about the draft. So (laughs) honored to have him on as a guest. So Richard, go ahead and introduce yourself and and give the audience an opportunity to learn about you and your site.
1: Yeah, hey, I appreciate you having me and I appreciate you always being a follower and interacting and everything. I know you're one of my favorite people Uh, to interact with on Twitter, you know, never toxic or anything like that, which is a huge plus plus in draft Twitter. Uh, But no, I started this up a few years ago. It was just to, uh, you know, kind of air out some thoughts, I guess, of the draft because my personal Twitter account at the time didn't have many, you know, sports followings or anything like that. So I just started this account to kind of target that. Uh, And just, like I said, just to tweet about this stuff, I wasn't looking to like, you know, really go anywhere with it. Uh, And then it took off a little bit, started the site. Uh, and wrote about Donovan Mitchell uh, and how he should have been a Mav at number nine. That was my favorite option for him. And
0: uh, after that, it just kind of took off more than I had expected. So uh, now we're here. All right. And now that we're here, I'm putting you on the hot <laughs> seat today. You're in charge of the Dallas Mavericks draft for 2020. So with the 18th pick, give me your range of players that you're looking at hoping will be available at 18. So if you can get maybe four or five guys that you think would be ideal for the Dallas miles.
1: Yeah. So obviously this draft is crazy unpredictable, but right. uh, generally I'm not going to choose any of like the top 10 guys. It's pretty unrealistic that they'll be there. Uh, so I would say I'd start with Josh green. I think he's pretty much at the top of the wish list from Arizona. Uh, really strong defender. That's a massive need for Dallas. And then potentially growing as a shooter, Really creative passer. So I like that fit. Uh, and then I also really like Sadiq Bay from Villanova, you know, kind of the Wesley Matthews mold, which Dallas is in love with. Uh, they loved Wesley Matthews after an Achilles injury. Can't really imagine how much they like him healthy, young, uh, and, you know, already pretty NBA ready. Another guy I like is uh, Desmond Bain from TCU. Uh, you know, really incredible athletic profile, really strong, lacks a wingspan, but probably the best shooter in the draft class. Uh, And then speaking of, you know, also best shooters in the class, I would also say Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt. If he's there, he's one of those guys that may go in the lottery. Uh, But I think he would be an immediate fit just because of that shooting ability. I'm not sure necessarily what else he does, but next to Luka, he would be a perfect fit. And then the last one I would say is uh, if they're looking just overall best player, they could swing for the fences and go for Alexej Pokusevsky. And I think he's from Serbia. He's like a seven foot unicorn. Just absolutely all – like, nobody really knows, you know, anything about him. I think he's the youngest player in the draft. Like – or, sorry, nobody knows what his realistic upside is. But seven-foot ball handlers that can shoot don't come around often.
0: You know, what's interesting is I've had a chance to watch him live multiple times. Really? Yeah, so I went to the under-19 – was it under nine Under-18s in Greece last summer. And so I was actually there, kind of going off on a tangent here. So I, I fly to Greece <laughs> – because I want to go to this tournament. And it's in this remote part of Greece. So I fly to Athens. And then once I'm in Athens, I'm just kind of trying to figure out how to take a train to get there. And I got there too late and the next train leaves. And then it was just this crazy process to get to this town, which I was just so upset. Like, why would they have it in this town? And so I think it was either rent a car, which you needed like some crazy European driver's uh, insurance or something like that. And then either you got to take a train or a bus. Either way, it was like two and a half to three hours away. And it was not, nothing direct. So I'm sitting there in the lobby trying to figure out, all right, man, I need to get a hotel that I got to figure out. And then the same, you know, half the stuff is in Greece, I am in mean Greek. So I'm like, man, I really got myself into a predicament here. Ironically, I run into a Dallas Mavs scout, Al, and I see Al, and I hadn't seen him in years, like years. So anyway, long story short, I run into him. He's like, yo, how do we get to this town? He says, I think I'm gonna rent a car. I'm gonna try and get this license or this insurance. And then if I get that, then you can just ride with me. So I'm like, cool. And Al is like one of the international scouts for the maps. He lives here in Dallas, but he He spends a significant amount of time in Europe. So I ended up riding with him, and we spent like the whole week together just going back and forth to all the games. And so we go to watch Serbia. I forget who they played, but I just called him AP. He had a triple-double, and he was blocking shots. He was rebounding. He was passing the ball. I mean, just all over the place. He just saw how talented he was. But then we so st- we started going to try to watch him the next few games, and you could see the skill set, you could see the talent, but the production dropped off. And then he they say he got hurt, but then he had games where he just provided no impact at all. And then there were games where you could just see like if he can put all of this together, he's a unique talent. So you, you saw like the the pros and the cons, but it's like you said as far as just being unique there's nobody in this draft like him. You know, he can, he's a natural point center or point forward or yeah. whatever. I mean, like, he gets the rebound, he pushes it up court, he can make a lot of passes. I, I don't think he's a good shooter, but the potential is there as a shooter. And then like, he can post up if, you know, if he has a mismatch, but he's so thin that he doesn't necessarily usually have a mismatch in the <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, the talent was there. I mean, I was disappointed. It was a game in, against Germany, I believe, that he just didn't play. Like He played maybe the first few minutes and he didn't play. They said he was nursing an injury. But, yeah, so I'm, I feel like I'm one of the few that has actually had a chance to watch him play live multiple times. And I was definitely impressed with him. But his stock has shot up in the last few months. Like, I thought, like, once I left that tournament, I thought, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be an NBA player or prospect in one day. But now seeing him go up to mid-lottery, I'm sorry, not mid-lottery, but mid-first round, I've seen as high as late lottery. And I think that a team like Dallas would be a pretty good fit simply because they probably don't need him to produce right away. But if they develop him, especially with, you know, the legends really being down the street, and he had in the proximity would be in their favor. I think he could be a crazy weapon to have in the future with Porzingis and, and Luca. I mean, could you imagine them running like 5-4 pick and rolls or 5-1 pick and rolls? Or... So, yeah, I think that's, that would be a pretty cool pick for them.
1: Yeah, he's such a unique player that, like, in with having thirty-one right around the corner too, they can afford to swing for the fences. And I think you said it best though. A team like Dallas, but uh, they don't have anything to lose, like by taking him. Really, like they're in such a good position. The the best is still far ahead of them. Why not? You know, and teams like that have that ability are probably the ones that are targeting him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. So based off of your list, obviously you prefer shooting, and you're looking for shooting. But if you had to decide between a great shooter and the average defender or a good shooter and the potential to be a great defender which would you lean towards the three and d or just the floor spacer i'd probably say the three and d that seems so
1: easy to say but also i mean i've seen what you know seth curry has been quite out i think he might be number one this year in shooting in the NBA. And if you could have another guy who could compete for number one, I mean, that's pretty insane because the Mavs have, you know, the number one offense. I think it was like ever for a really long time. And if you can continue adding that eventually, like it's such an offensive minded league that eventually, you know, it can make up for the defensive blows. So that's a, that's a really tough one, but I think I lean three and D because I've seen too many just mental defensive breakdowns, you know, they just simple plays. They just miss on the defensive end
0: yep so let's say if josh green is available at 18 do you think he could be the opening night starter
1: i don't know about opening night i think the starting five is too stacked but i think he immediately comes in and plays you know a, a rotation role like he's a top eight in the rotation
0: all right now at 31 and give me your five guy. well this is tough This is probably one of the toughest questions because I think (laughs) anywhere between, you can even say 15 to 35 guys could be available. And so if you had to make a realistic list based off of where you think guys would go, who would be your targets at 31? So it's still probably mostly wings.
1: And like you said, I mean, it's so tight pretty much after the lottery, almost to the end of the draft where everybody could go anywhere. I mean, Desmond Bain, is one? that's kind of cheating by saying him again, but I really think he could be there at thirty-one. Uh, another it's, guy, I'll start no giving new names. No way he goes
0: past the Lakers.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I think too. And I mean, he's such a perfect fit with yeah. them that it just it would be silly for them to pass up on him. Lakers
0: uh, or Bucks? I mean, to me, like yeah. those guys. Like if he slips past Dallas at eighteen, I think Milwaukee would take him. He fits what they need. And then if he slides past there, I mean. He just, he's just the ideal, perfect, complimentary player for whether it's LeBron, Giannis, Luka, Harden, even though Houston doesn't have a draft. He just fits so many, you know, boxes for those, you know, superstars. So, uh, yep. if he if he's available at 31, that would be crazy for Dallas. I mean, that would be, like, an ideal situation if you can get a, a Josh Green and a Desmond Bain in one draft yeah. class yeah I think
1: I think that's an a-plus draft honestly is having someone with that value just slip to 31 because of like the wingspan or something because that's really his only
0: flaw I think
1: like major flaw is that wingspan it's you know negative but
0: and I'd he say went to college and probably has a degree so yeah you know. yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you go to school for you oh yeah it's a negative against you <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and
1: then other guys i would say uh mostly wings i've got one center in here which is dan oturu from minnesota and i know dallas went up to minnesota a lot they watched almost all of his big 10 games um and then elijah hughes from syracuse i absolutely love his play He's a combo guard and we have seen what the Mavs did with uh seth curry kind of almost in the same mold of shooter playmaker uh shooter first but playmaker second uh, and obviously, we don't know how his defense is, so that's a little bit hard. Then I'd say Tyler Bay from Colorado. He won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, so he's obviously going to impact that end. And that would be a really good pick if if Dallas goes with a pure shooter like Neesmith someone who may lack defensive uh, ability. And then I think I'm up to four, so I'll just uh, I'll go with one more, and that's Jordan Wara from Louisville. He's a, mm-hmm. someone I've really liked for the last two years. Uh, a little bit unconventional shooting and comes and goes on defense but I really think he can play in the NBA and he'd fit under Rick Carlisle
0: yep so the Elijah Hughes Seth Curry comparison that kind of caught me off guard yeah so not not necessarily comparison just their role would be similar
1: I think I don't I don't think they're similar players but just seeing how Elijah Hughes can just shoot from anywhere uh also you know played a little bit of point guard at times and ran the Mm -hmm. offense we've seen that happen with Seth off the bench uh, and he can yeah. run a pick and roll. You know he's capable. You trust him with the ball in his hands, uh, and that's how I view Hughes. And I don't know how his defense is. He's almost impossible to tell because right. of Syracuse. I, I just that's the biggest downfall of prospects that
0: go to Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when I looked at Hughes, I, I kind of saw him as a guy that fits to like that '90s style isolation basketball. And I think that if this were the '19. 95 NBA draft. I think he'd be a lottery pick based off his style. Yeah, um, but yeah, I never, I never thought of him as a, a Mavs fit. But the way after you explained it, it, it makes a little bit of sense. Tyler Bay is someone that I like a lot. I think that, especially with Porzingis and the way like the Mavs put together these versatile lineups. If you have him at the four, and you get a, another active defender he's like a shot blocker even though he's a little undersized he rebounds and runs the floor he's, he's kind of like in my opinion and, I, and I've said this on a previous podcast I don't like comparing guys to Sean Marion but he kind of reminds me of him in a sense as far as just being active you don't have to run any plays for him he's I mean he's not a shooter at this point even though he shot like 41 percent from three he didn't take a lot of shots but I definitely believe that he can develop into a good shooter at, at the four spot. And, and then like, you know, running the floor and active, I mean, he would increase the Mavs athleticism. Like they're not a really <laughs> athletic team, but he's a guy that, you know, gives Luca a vertical lob threat. If, if, and, you know, and, and then like, like I said, running the floor and transition and just being an energy guy. So I think the fans in Dallas would love his style of play. It's the closest thing to Sean Marion, even though there's only one Sean Marion and <laughs> he can be it's half as good as Sean Marion and, and half as productive, then he'd have a, a pretty long career because Marion was, I mean, he was pretty crazy when he was in Phoenix. Yeah. And so, yeah, he kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Um, who else did you mention?
1: Uh, so I said Dan Oturu from oh, yeah. Minnesota.
0: In your opinion, why do you think that he is – going to be possibly available so late in the draft like you look at his production yeah and you would think that he'd be a first round pick so I have my thoughts about it but in your opinion why do you think that he's in that range at 31 oh yeah I think he's a steal if
1: he's there personally um I think the production considering how raw he is and like how he still needs to learn so much is incredible I think people are really overthinking that to an extent um but I like I said it's just that he's raw in the Devaluing of bigs just overall is really hitting. So, those two things just pretty much are why I'd say maybe he's there at 31. I do think someone takes a very hard look at him from like 20 to 30, though, a few teams.
0: Yeah, because he's shown that he can stretch the floor if needed. He's definitely a rebounder. We know that much for sure. And you would think that a big that can rebound and potentially stretch the floor would have a. you know, be more valued in, in the draft, and so for whatever reasons, I've I've seen him, you know, late first round. I've even seen him in like the late 30s on, on some draft boards. So just wanted to get your opinion on why you think that he could be available at at 31. All right. So let's say this is another question to put you on the spot. Let's say the Mavs <laughs> get an A plus draft, right? So they get Josh Green at 18, and then they get Bain at 31. What is your rotation for next year?
1: <laughs> so that's, that's hard. So obviously, uh, obviously the wings, you know, get a little bit uh, tight at that point because, you know, they still have Justin Jackson under one more year. Uh, I do think first and foremost his rotation spot gets replaced pretty quickly by either green or bane i think almost more so bane because of how ready he is mm-hmm. um but after that it's a little bit hard because you can only play so many people and generally better teams trim their rotations you know they don't play 11 people so that does get a little bit difficult uh, i think honestly green probably gets lesser minutes i would say almost the same as this year who knows what the free agency looks like but i think you're looking at Green would get some minutes here and there as, like, by need if someone, you know, if they're playing the Clippers, he may get more minutes as a defensive player than they are against, like, the Cavs or something like that where they won't need defense. Obviously, it's a little bit extreme because of where they are. But okay. I, I do think, you know, Courtney Lee played a lot like that role to an extent where he would come in if they need defense uh, in shooting, I guess. And I would say that it would be used like how he and Jackson were used, on and off when both of them were playing, because obviously there was a point at the end of the season when Lee was just the one. But I think it would be something like that with them early on. And then the question, the reason I guess you take both is because who knows what Dorian Finney Smith's long term future is here. Cause as good of a Fitty is with Luca, you could replace him for some with someone who could be here for potentially eight, nine years, depending on the contracts, and Josh Green. I think they're they have similar skill sets. And right. if you can get someone with a higher ceiling, might be wiser to Eventually, replace him if he hits, of course.
0: Yeah, and Duddle's on such a favorable contract that it will be, I could see him being in Dallas for a while just because I think he's yep. on what 312, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a deal. <laughs> so, do you think MKG is back?
1: I don't think so. I, yeah, I wouldn't really put him in the long term plans. Uh, it's not even his fault. It's just like, I mean, we never even got to see anything, and I mean, the bubble could still, you know change things like he is in the bubble right
0: yeah I, I believe so
1: i think so yeah i haven't heard anything about otherwise but i mean yeah we ha- we still have to see but he just hasn't proven i guess that he will be here and i'm just not entirely optimistic that he'll be there next year i think he, ends up he might playing, be a placeholder guy
0: yeah I, I agree but i think he ends up playing center in the playoffs. yeah 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 that so, rockets five yeah yep so what do you so, all right, your starting lineup for next year with, with those all guys. Right. <laughs> so, point guard,
1: I mean, man, I guess point guard is always still going to be the weirdest thing with Luca because, you know, sometimes they'll roll – they could roll anybody out, but I guess Luka, uh, Tim Hardaway. I'd still honestly probably almost roll the same five. Tim Hardaway, uh, Finney Smith, and then Porzingis and Maxi, and then have the wings off the bench. I think that would be – the best i mean right like that that would still be it i think
0: yeah do you would think just that be the they same five with, and, you think they go with maxi over powell
1: yeah i mean well that also depends too on how healthy he is and when the timelines match too because i mean i'm just banking on him being out for a solid 12 months uh which very well may be more than he actually is out yeah because
0: yeah. when did he get hurt uh january so he could actually be ready opening day <laughs> based off of crazy. the way based the season be opening, projected. Yeah, because I, I can't imagine yeah, them starting crazy. until Christmas at the earliest. So yeah. I think, yeah, but wow, that's a lot of yeah, <laughs> but think of Wesley Matthews. He, he, when he signed with Dallas and was a 2016, he was there opening night, right? Or close to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, he and, was, you know, he's, he started opening night. Yeah, he tore his Achilles right at the very end of that season, the season before. Yep. So, yeah, in March. Yeah, if Powell is on the same plan, then he, he'll definitely be ready opening night because we're still, like, five months away, you know. And <laughs> in a regular situation, then, you know, guys would start ramping up their workouts now and, and teams would start going to – you know their um uh unofficial training camps in like september but we're still like five months away. (laughs) yeah yeah, so i think that uh, do you think beret is back next year
1: i think he stays with the team i don't know if he plays much but i feel like i feel like he's one of those guys that he stays almost like the thunder with nick collison he may not play but you should keep him around Kind of guy, which I, I, this does bring huge issues for how many people they can carry into a training camp. So.
0: Right? Yeah, it just seems like either Berea or Devin Harris. It seems like one of those guys has been on the roster. <laughs> Yo, yep. for the last forever years. But <laughs> so I, I, I was thinking that um, Berea would be replaced by. Um, have you had a chance to watch him play yeah yeah there's the connection there with Luca and and so I always thought that was just a seamless fit
1: yeah and I know they've
0: had a a link to him Mm -hmm. uh I'm not entirely
1: sold on him I just I do not like the jump shot at all uh like that's such a big flag for me I'm not sure I can overcome it but like he's really talented though like I mean he's I think he's starting
0: point guard for real right yeah yeah, I mean, well, you know, they change their lineups based off right. of matchups. It's kind of weird over there, but but then yeah. you know, he has the connection to Luca, then sweet Spanish, and, and all of that. So, yeah, so I, 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 I wouldn't massive. be shocked. And I've actually heard from some agents that he's going to sign a 210, he has a team that is going to give him a, a two year, $10 million deal. Wow, I don't know how exact it is, but I've heard from an agent that that's what's on the table for him. I just don't know which team. And in my mind, I'm like, Dallas, Dallas. sounds like <laughs> the, the team that would do that. But then again, I could be wrong because I thought I just knew Anthony Randolph would end up in Dallas just because <laughs> he went to high school here, he's represented by BDA, yep. played with Luca, <laughs> and so... Uh, I was wrong about that one, so he he stayed in Madrid. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that – I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked either way. I wouldn't be shocked at all if J.J. is back on the roster and doesn't play a lot. But then, again, yes. I wouldn't be shocked if he's, like, the head coach of the Texas Legends next year. <laughs> you
1: know? Right. I mean, he coached the Puerto Rican national team, I think, a few – I was he, last year or something like that? Yeah. I think injury and – I mean, a, I wouldn't, I would not rule that out at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I've seen. I mean, it's just once you're a MAV and, and you're like a fan favorite, they do a good job of just kind of keeping their guys around. And I mean, I worked for the legend when Eddie Nahara was the coach. Nick Van Exel was was a coach. and He still is in the area, and I think this is where JJ's gonna make his home long term. So, I could actually see. Either way, him playing or him just having some important role within the organization also. All right, so another question is, do you think that, let's say at 31, they look for, you think there's a chance they look for another point guard?
1: So I've thought about that, because point guard depth in this class is absolutely insane. Um, I don't know who they would go after necessarily. Uh, Some guys that jump out, you know, like Jared Butler. Immediately jumps out. I think he's really climbing. Uh, one of another Dallas guy, Jalen Harris. I think that's probably higher than most people have him from Nevada. Uh, but I mean, those are two guys I would look at. I'd probably want someone that's either a two-way, you know, strong defender uh, at the least, not necessarily even two-way, just defensive-minded, and uh, or someone who's going to be a combo guard, scoring guard, would be my prefer- my preference if they're going to go with a point guard. But I don't know point guard. It just seems like they can easily. Mavs have always done this. They made Mike James work. They made they can make anybody work at point guard under Rick Carlisle. That I don't know if it'd be worth Rondon taking one at thirty. Degrees. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Derek Fisher, right? <laughs> bad, uh, bad, bad, <laughs> bad, wordy on me. almost anybody. <laughs> anybody <laughs> and, and Darren Collison, like
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, I don't know if I'd take one if I'm if I'd be happy with them taking one at thirty one.
0: Yeah, because I I wonder, you know, like Trey Burke is obviously playing for, you know, a situation for him for next year. I think that um, it seems like they'll always have three, like maybe three point guards on the roster. And it it seems like the Mavs have so many guards on the roster as is, period. And every year they kind of add one. So, all right, my, my last question Is if you are Donnie Nelson, do you look to make any trades on draft day to move up, or are you content with where you're at? So I think that depends. I
1: think I think a trade is almost inevitable, just because kind of what we talked about. The rotation gets really tight, and it's like how many people can you realistically have? Uh, And so I think one of two things: you either trade 18 and 31 and package them, and you know some other picks potentially uh and see if somebody's falling move up to like 15 14 uh if that does the trick I mean we don't know but if someone falls that would be worth trading up for I think almost anybody falls uh but the other thing is if eight if at 18 a lot of the guys are gone like if it goes exactly you know how we expect it to and some the wings are going first though at like 16 to 18 or 16 and 17 like Sadiq Bay and Desmond Bain go There's a chance, I mean, I'd be okay with them trading into 2021, honestly. I mean, it's going to be a stacked class next year too, Um, more so, you know, star power. But I think 31, you can get somebody on a better contract and someone who's also NBA ready. I mean, the fact that, you know, I listed Desmond Bain twice, depending on how it goes, I think there's a chance that they could get whoever they want at 18 at 31. And if that's the case, like build up some draft assets.
0: I agree. Did they? Have, I don't think they have a pick in twenty one. Do they? Was that right? Yeah, Knicks it's going deal? to the Knicks, so they yep. could trade back into into that draft. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Now, if let's say they're able to move up into the top ten, you know, they package eighteen thirty one and a player. Who would be your ideal pick? Oh man, uh, honestly, I. I think there's two guys,
1: three guys that jump out to me. Because one of them I see kind of falling on draft night just because of his defensive issues, and that's Obi Toppin. I think that's going to be taking a really hard look at. And if there's, I think if there's one team that could really neutralize that bad defense, I think it's Dallas. They've hidden tons of bad defenders for years. Right. Uh, and I think they'd get a lot out of him on offense. So Obi Toppin would be one. And then two others would be Isaac Okoro. And Patrick Williams. Those would be two that I think fit absolutely perfectly for the Mavs with what they need.
0: A month ago, I would have thought Patrick Williams would have been available at 18. But it seems like at least off of draft Twitter, his stock is rising. We have no way to tell if it's rising or not because I mean there's no workouts, nobody really knows exactly what's going on. Yep. But yeah, he's someone who I I, I think that could still possibly be available you just never know in this particular draft I've actually had a chance to watch him work out too. So he was here in Dallas for a week last year and he worked out really yep and uh I didn't see it at the time like I was you know like I was there and I watched him work out for a whole week almost every day and and a friend of mine was like this kid's a lottery pick or he's a one and done and I'm like, well he shoots the ball okay but he's not like a shooter shooter. He's athletic, but you know, I just didn't actually see it. And then once the lights came on and during the season he just showed me yeah. that, you know, my friend was correct that he actually is a, a one and done player. And the <laughs> fact that he's so young. You know, I think there's high school players in the two thousand twenty high school graduation class that are older than him.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's still eighteen. Yeah, he's I think he for was,
0: 17 when I met him last year. Good kid, though. Really, really good kid. So, yeah, Yeah. Obey Toppin, I've never thought about that. I I do think he could slide. I want to say NBA draft.net has him like number two on on their draft board right now. He could slide because of his defense. And like you said, Dallas has been able to hide guys defensively. But, man, talk about adding – Firepower to that offense. I mean, yep. you know the Luka <laughs> yep, Toppin sad. pick and roll with <laughs> with uh, Porzingis spacing the floor. How do you stop that? And I think Toppin <laughs> is an underrated passer. Like, very. Not a lot of people are very. talking about his his court vision as a passer. But yeah, defensively, I think he's going to he's going to really <laughs> struggle uh, just because I've never seen someone so explosive vertically, athletically but so limited <laughs> laterally. I mean, it's, it's crazy how it's, so, it's such a wide margin between his <laughs> vertical explosiveness and how he moves side to side.
1: Dude, it would be insane. And, and like you said with Tyler Bay, I mean, they get a much needed athletic presence. You know, the Mavs aren't super athletic. They get arguably the most athletic player in the draft in yeah. OB top, at least vertically. Uh, but I've never seen that. That contrast is just bizarre to me.
0: Right, I agree. And, you know, it's, it's it's interesting to me that the Mavs have such a high-powered offense. And you can arguably say they're one of the least athletic teams in the entire NBA. Yeah. They're just beating you with precision, shooting, and, I mean, you know, having Luca, But, you know what? <laughs> He's, I mean, we've, we've probably seen this discussion. He's a crazy athletic, just not in terms of how most people would describe athleticism, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nope. nobody can stay in front of them. So you normally when you think of an somebody that a player that defenses can't stay in front of, you think of somebody with like this lightning quick step, or you think of like this Russell Westbrook type freak athlete, but Luca gets to his spots better than a lot of these freak athletic players. So he just has a different form of, I don't know, man. He's a, a science. He's a case study. Like um, the ESPN used to do the... Um,
1: oh, the sports
0: science. Sports science. <laughs> and if they had yeah. one on him. I think they need to do another one because... Wait, really? There There's one on him? Yeah, I think they did one because he went to the P... What's it called? P3. That's in like Santa Barbara. And I know he had been working out there before he came along. And so the sports one I saw on him, and they were talking about his acceleration and deceleration or something like that. And they were saying like the only player that has that type of I don't know, deceleration, acceleration as far as like footwork or whatever it was like James Harden as far as just like how he but this was like before, you know, this is when he was a teenager when they did this on him.
1: Oh my
0: goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so I he, just found it. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, his athleticism is highly underrated. Yeah. Well, man, I yes. really, really appreciate you coming on, taking your time out on the weekend to come on as, as a guest. Um, for those that are listening to my podcast and want to follow you, where can they find you at?
1: Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm at Mav Shraft. That's where you know, I'm going to be the most, uh, you know, that's where I'm going to be most of the time. But I put everything else on uh, MavShraft.com. Okay.
0: And then you have a, a podcast, right?
1: Yeah, just started it uh, a couple weeks ago, the Mavs Draft Podcast.
0: The Mavs Draft Podcast. Yeah, that's on Apple. Yep, yep. Okay, cool. So if you want to follow Richard's work, big Mavs fan here. He definitely knows his stuff. He knows the draft in and out. I mean, he's even in the – you know, he knows about the 2021 draft. You can follow him on Twitter. He has a podcast, and he has a website, and it's all Mavs Draft. So once again, thanks a lot for coming on. Hope to have you on before the draft and even after the draft so we can, you know, go over the map selections. And if there's like a, a trade between them, love to get you on again and talk about that. But thanks again for coming on as a guest. And once again, this is Rafael with NBA Draft Junkers, signing out.